Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't know. A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier of BleacherReport.com. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And as always, I'm joined by the one and only Landon McCool. You can find him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. The How About Them podcast. Are you doing any other podcasts or is it just this one and your own podcast? No, I'm also doing the uh, BTB Holy podcast. Cow. Make sure you check us out on Cowboy Sports That's Radio. A nice guys. plug right there. All right, Landon, yeah, how I, you doing? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some football. Yeah, so this Thursday edition of the Locked on Cowboys podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at mybookie.ag. On today's show, Lynn and I are going to discuss some of our notes after watching the All-22 film. We're just going to focus on the defense today. We're going to talk about Demarcus Lawrence, Sean Lee, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, Xavier Woods, and much, much more. So let's jump right into it. Let's start off with something positive because you know me. I'm a very positive, optimistic person, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, yeah, that's a good joke. <laughs> yeah, All right, so sure. let's talk about Demarcus Lawrence because holy crap, we have a war daddy, or potentially we have one, <laughs> right? I mean, oh, I no, I mean, I think we can, I think we can confidently say, I, I, I think that I mean, you get into your spiel, but I, I think that we can confidently say that that left side is reproducible production. Mm. I, I think, yeah. So I was kind of thinking about Lawrence in the big picture sense today that. Um, you know, after his 2015 season where he had eight sacks, we never really got to see him take that next step because of the back injury. And for some reason, at least for me, uh, my expectations of Lawrence as a player dramatically dropped off. If Lawrence wouldn't have had the back injury in 2016, I think most people were going to expect him to be this 10 to 12 sack player because that's the kind of the natural progression he was on. There's just not very many pass rushers that get eight sacks in their second season. So I think we're finally starting to see the player that the Cowboys envisioned when they traded two picks up to go grab him. Uh, this is a guy that can win in multiple ways. I've been impressed with his just his overall power. You can see that uh, his hands are so strong. Right tackles just can't deal with his quickness. Uh, he can win in a variety of ways. I don't want to gush too much about him because he's not a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller or anything like that. However, he is by far the best defensive lineman we've had, you know, in the last two seasons and possibly three seasons. So I'm encouraged about Demarcus Lawrence, especially after watching the All-22. Um, I don't think this defense looks anything similar without him on the field. And I'm encouraged going forward that at least they have one end that they can rely on in big games. What do you have on Lawrence? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the last guy that had probably this level of of you know consistent you know production and and depending on what you define as production, I mean, I'm sure y- you and Joey don't don't like the idea that uh, pressure is production, and and I agree that I think sacks are definitely have a lot more value than just pressure, but just in general, as far as affecting the defense. I think this is a, probably the best defensive end we've had since don't say his name, Greg Hardy. Why can't, wait, I, I, why can't I think, we talk about Greg Hardy on the field? I mean, because Greg Hardy on the field oh, we was can. a fantastic we can. We totally player. Can. It's no, too bad it I didn't think work so. out. There, there was, it, it really is. No, there's, and, and it's, it fits right into the Rolando McClain situation where, my goodness, when, when Rolando McClain was on and playing, like he was fantastic. But let's not talk about those guys because they're not here okay. anymore. But I, I will say I will say this that I, I think that you know if you're going back to what you were talking about before with with Demarcus Lawrence and and the expectations in I think it was 2015 or going 2016 you know you know everyone talked about how uh Lawrence got you know all these sacks uh because you know he's playing opposite of Greg Hardy and Hardy was taking away all the double teams from him and 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 that was you know that was the reason that he was getting all that production and so there was a level of doubt of D- Demarcus Lawrence despite his production and then he goes in and he has another back surgery and everyone's just you know he comes back and it's just not right or he has his first back surgery he comes back he's just he tries to gut it out he's fat. it's just not right S- Stephen Jones comes out and and says for the first time in the history of G- football GMs that the surgery may not have gone as hmm. planned that, that was the first time I, I I think the only time first I've heard it, only time since that I've heard it, a, a, a official from a team come out and, and give a lukewarm yeah, response to bad. how did surgery that's when go? He knew it was bad. Yeah, so that that's when he knew things didn't work out. So so he had a, a, one sack the next season, needed to go back in for another back surgery, um, and and clearly what happened is that the back surgery uh, uh, didn't allow him to work on his core. So yeah, he gained a ton of weight because he probably is one of those athletes that you know when he works out like burns a ton of calories so if he doesn't work out he instantly gains 50 pounds so um and then you know we we start you know you start hearing the fat jokes he starts working his way back into shape oh no no certainly not from marcus no definitely you shouldn't advance twitter search marcus Mosier and see if he has any comments about fat d law you shouldn't or or elliot Um, either one uh, but yeah, either either one. He he would never do something like that. Um, but I I think that you know what happened. He got back into shape. He, he even lost a little bit more weight to kind of help with his back situation a lot, like Tapper did. Um, and I think that you know what we're seeing is look, the Cowboys did, had a lot of these plays, right? They had a lot of these guys where they were they had the athletic ability, but there was something like Lawrence is like, oh, he just he needed to be healthy and play, or with Irving, oh, you know, he just needed to improve and get more consistent. He has the ability, and and it's it's now we're starting to see which one of these guys are starting to pay off. We're going to see Demontre Moore come in uh, this next week, and he's gonna he's gonna be another element to this pass rush as well. Well, so I I am excited about what we've seen out of Demarcus Lawrence, and I'll just add this: I really do think it's the pairing between Lawrence and Malik Collins that is is really what's to get excited about because they are preventing uh, or they're making it more difficult for either one of them to get double teamed, and and they're both so productive, especially in pass rush situations, that uh, it's re- when they're you know when they're doing two man stunts or games or, or twists or anything like. That they're really working off each other well, and they're just getting a lot of production. Um, really quickly, because we're kind of talking about the defensive line, and 
Rod Marinelli's defensive line, probably more than any other team, works together as a unit because they don't rely on one single player to get pressure. Which player opposite of Lawrence do you think makes the most sense as that other defensive end? Is it going to be Charles Tapper or Taco, or do you think it's somebody like Demontre Moore who's going to be back this week? Well, I think that, you know, with that right defensive end, I mean, if you think about a, a normal, like, under front, the right defensive end works more isolated on their own, right? So uh, just because, you know, with a three-tech, you're closer to the defensive end than, you know, than, when, than the nose tackle who's, who's in the, 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 you know, the one gap. So, you know, I, I think that you know, you'll see some games, some twists with, the, you know, all four of them working together, like you're talking about loops and pirate stunts and that sort of thing. And, and But I think that more than than sometimes with your left defensive end, you're you're seeing your right defensive end sort of isolated uh, with the left tackle to see if that they can you know get speed rushes. So I tend to think in pass rushing scenarios, I I am excited, especially after what we saw in training camp and then some of the preseason. I am excited a little bit to see what Demontre Moore can do there mm-hmm. because I, I I think that you know he has. He has the traits. He has the the physical traits you're looking for to be the uh, elite pass rusher as a right. I'm not saying that he is going to be at all. That's not even my expectation level. Uh, but he has the traits that you would look for for someone who could develop into that. And um, the pedigree I, I, as well, I would say. I think with him, it's about – it's always been about – maturity off the field in order to focus his life into football better and to optimize those abilities. And, you know, all the whispers we've heard is that he's changed a lot since he's come to the Cowboys and really kind of turned things around. So it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, especially you know now that he's finally back, if he can be that other guy opposite of Lawrence. And then if you, you're right, if you get those two guys on either side, plus uh, plus Collins and, pa- and pa- Paya, I mean, now you really got something going. Yeah, so two quick notes on Lawrence and DeMontre Moore. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence finished as the second highest-graded edge rusher this week from our friends at Pro Football Focus. Excuse me. And I've heard that the game plan this week for DeMontre Moore is to get him lined up inside a lot in this game. They believe that he has he can win some matchups inside as a third down uh, nickel defensive tackle. So be on the look. We saw it a lot. We saw it a lot in training camp. I'm not surprised to see that they're going to try that because he they did that a lot in training camp where he lined up basically as a straight three technique in yeah. passing situations. And, and I think they like the combination of having size on the outside and quickness inside. And I think that might be the way to get to Carson Palmer's be in the passing lanes on the outside and then try to create that quick inside pressure. Um, well, real quick, too, real quick, too, because I think, you know, one of the things they may have learned for last week from Denver, too, is one thing that, that Moore has been really good at is getting his hands up, too. And I think that if Moore, you know, he one thing, he's small, but it's he's slight. He, he has kind of almost like a, a Gregory build where he's except he's really tall. So so he I think that if he can't get there, if he does get sealed off by a guard or a center somehow or double teamed, I think at the very least he can get a big paw up and, and, and put a hand in a, in a passing lane and disrupt that way too. All right, let's pause to tell you about our friends at Sesney. Buying and selling a home can be stressful. That is until you meet the Sesney Premier Realty Group. The professional and experienced real estate agent of the Sesney Premier Realty Group provides service that is second to none. Focused on building personal relationships with their clients, 
Sesney Premier Realty Group Realtors seek to understand their clients' needs and wants to ensure those needs and wants are met every time and will strive to provide a hassle-free buying and selling experience as they assist their clients with all their real estate needs. No matter the situation, they're here to help. If you or someone you know is buying, selling, or relocating, if you are struggling with the possibility of a short sale or foreclosure, the Sesney Premier Realty Group knows that you deserve the best and will make sure that you get the best. If you currently need or think you will have real estate needs in the future, contact the Sesney Premier Realty Group directly at 469-672-6987. You can also visit their website at yourdfwhomesolution.com. All right, so I want to move on to Sean Lee, and we're going to just touch on him really quickly because uh, we've talked about him a lot on this show, but I think that might have been the worst game I've ever seen Sean Lee play. Uh, not concerned about it because I think it's just a one-game thing. Uh, I'm not sure if the altitude have a problem, if they just didn't have the right cleats in or whatever it was. Just a bad game from Sean Lee. I, I charted him as two missed tackles. He seemed like he was always a step slow on some of his uh, drops and coverage. Just didn't attack the running game. I don't know if... If they tricked him or fooled him somehow, but Sean Lee just wasn't himself. Uh, I don't expect that to happen every single week. I, and you know, Sean Lee, even after the game, talked about how he this is the one of the worst games he's ever played. He he wasn't sure what was going on with his tackling, um, and he kind of commented that the whole team wasn't tackling well. Um, any really quick thoughts on Sean Lee? I mean, I, I'm not concerned about him because I know how good of a player he is, and I know he's going to get this fixed. But what did you see with Lee on Sunday? I once, I mean, I I don't I don't know what I saw from Lee on Sunday. Honestly, I don't know Didn't what even that look like was. The same player. I, I know, no, I mean, I don't know who that was. He's wearing Sean Lee's jersey, but that wasn't yeah. him. Uh, I, I'll tell you this: I I've seen Sean Lee uh, raise his voice at himself during an interview about some, you know trite thing i talked about this on one of my other podcasts some trite thing that he did that was ultimately meaningless in a in a near flawless game that he's had in, in some huge blowout win that the cowboys won i i can only imagine what's gonna happen when he goes back and watches this tape like i just feel like he is gonna come out against the cardinals and just destroy anything that anything that moves i mean look i i I can't imagine that that he has another game like that. This, I mean, he missed more tackles in that game than I imagine he'll miss the rest of the yeah. season. Uh, and, and and I'm surprised that it was only two because like it really felt like it, it really felt like there were more, maybe more missed tackle opportunities. I guess is the maybe how I would phrase it. Where maybe he didn't get his hands on it, but he needed to get his hands on that guy. Um, and you know, and, and other things too, like on that third down and two play where the guy dropped the ball, like the. He he fell down like, it, and that was his man. Like he shouldn't have even had the opportunity to catch mm -hmm. that ball. Uh, so, you know, I there, I just I'm not panicked about Lee. I know that he's he'll figure it out. Way more pissed about he's way more pissed about his performance than any of us yeah. are. So I, I think that he'll he'll get it cleaned up, and he's not going to be the source of our problem in the future. Yeah, he's a he's a Pittsburgh guy. He'll figure it out. I always have to give a little shout out to PA. Yeah. Oh my god! All right. All right, so <laughs> a guy that I really can't figure out is Anthony Brown. Um, I don't know if 
I, I actually don't know what the problem is. And I, I really tried to watch him a lot in this game to try to study what's going on. But he is one of the more inconsistent defensive backs that I've seen from the Cowboys in a long time because he was fantastic in the Giants game. And then in this game, I charted him as uh, they threw at him 10 times, gave up seven completions for 62 yards and a touchdown. That's a passer rating of almost 120. I don't know if it's a comfort level thing that when he doesn't play a team very frequently, he just doesn't understand their concepts. I don't know if it was size that gives him a problem. But he did very well against Brandon Marshall. So I'm kind of at a loss for words with Anthony Brown. I'm going to be curious to kind of study him more in the future and find out what's going on. Because he had some of these games last year where it just doesn't make sense for him to perform as poorly considering we know how well he can play. So did you have any notes on Anthony Brown after rewatching the game? Well, and this is terrible radio for me to ask this, but but did you chart any of that based on – where he lined up. I think most of it was all on the right-hand side. I can find out why you're talking. Well, I mean, what I would be interested to see is that, you know, I, I, I'd like to see if if the there's the variance depending on where he's lining, lining up because I, I do do have – I do wonder if this switch to zone, you know, it, part of it just it could be, you know, how – where he's lining up on the field and where he feels comfortable lining up on the field and in what coverages. Like, you know, having, you know, because, I mean, you just think about, like, movement and that sort of thing. And we also have to consider, you know, what what they are being asked to do, you know, and and, 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 and how their roles um, – and how their roles kind of changed in game because of injury and because of 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 you know just uh, the way the game it went ended up going. So, uh, you know, I think that one of the tough things that's tough to kind of judge like passer rating uh, like in a defense like this when you're trying to play kind of soft zones that you know tighten up eventually is that ultimately you're kind of a, allowing for a certain amount of 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 catches to happen but to rally to make tackles underneath and now that is where all you know all the defensive backs could have improved for sure i don't know if like and and uh, and you're right. Like it, it's definitely worth going back and studying. I don't know if this was due to the fact of the, the talent of, of, of who he was going up against. Uh, if if it, you know he was spending most of his time going up against Thomas, and 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 that's you know where he struggled just because he started he played a, a good uh, uh, you know uh, wide receiver, and he and he wasn't certain about where his help is because he's still kind of feeling out. How this zone situation, how the mostly zone defense is going, and, and and even beyond that, he doesn't really know how the guys he's playing with are going to be playing because you're you're playing two different rookies who they, they themselves have not even really taken any snaps in the regular season. So I just think that it's hard it's hard to judge, especially as we move more to. Uh, a zone based kind of coverage scheme it's it's kind of tough to to individually measure one player's performance because it really is about how they fit in to function as a whole right so really quickly so in week one i had brown charted with 12 snaps as the right cornerback and 33 in the slot and then this week i had Mm -hmm. him charted as it was 65 snaps as the right cornerback and only five in the slot. So 
maybe he's just a better slot player. And maybe that's something they need to think about going forward. But uh, and again, I'm not going to overreact because of one game. I'm, I'm curious to see over the course of the season, is he going to be a much better player in a slot or can he figure out a way to survive on the outside? That's honestly just to say, I, that's what my eyes and my my okay. memory told me is the, the, those numbers matched up with what I was thinking is that and and I guess my point now is maybe the issue is that he's not as comfortable playing at the right corner position as he is in the slot. Right. Um, and and again and again that may not be about him not being a good outside corner. That may be about the fact that the defense itself is shifting. So he, it may be that he's not as comfortable in some of the zone coverages outside as he needs to be yet. So let's not just you know rule Brown out as a bad outside coverage guy. I think all of these guys. I mean, Brown is a second-year player, and we're considering him a salty veteran, especially in comparison to all these other guys. I mean, you know, really, seriously, started you know thirteen games or whatever it was. But uh, you know, I, I I think he's still a player in progress, and this defense is in in progress of kind of shifting sands as well. So I, I really hesitate to kind of especially in the defensive backfield. I really hesitate to kind of judge these guys individually because I really think that it's it's all very fluid at this point. Yeah, so opposite of Anthony Brown in that game was Jordan Lewis, who played his first game of his NFL career. And I kind of thought going into the game, the Cowboys were going to keep him exclusively as a slot cornerback. But after Nolan Carroll went out, they had no choice to line him up on the left-hand side. I have him at 48 snaps as the left cornerback and 13 as the slot corner. Um, I thought he was okay. I, I mean, some of his negative plays, like giving up the touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders, that's just an experience thing more than yeah. a talent issue. Because, well, and he was he wasn't the only guy who fell oh, no. down on that By- route. Byron that did day, it, you know? Byron did later in the game. Uh, and 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 that was the same route that that Thomas ran on uh, Carroll that got him that twenty five yard or uh, catch and run on the first drive too. Like they were running those whip routes really like very consistently and with great success. Now I do have a concern about Lewis being an outside corner. I'm just not sure he has the size and the bulk to consistently line up on that outside against some of those bigger receivers. I think if the Broncos would have taken more shots down the field with Demarius Thomas. And Emmanuel Sanders, I think you could have seen him get, uh, especially with Thomas, you could have seen him get bodied a little bit more. And I'm a little nervous that this week the Cardinals are going to line up Larry Fitzgerald on him and just try to throw the ball above his head. But I was impressed with his just feel. And you can see that he has good instincts. You can see that he's just a football player. But at the same time, he didn't practice all training camp. I think he he practiced for about 10 snaps or 10 minutes in one practice, pulled his hamstring, and then we didn't see him at all the rest of the offseason. So it's going to take him a little time to get into a rhythm. But overall, I was encouraged by his play. I think long-term he's going to be this team's uh, slot cornerback, and if they can find out if Anthony Brown can play on the outside, they should be okay there. What did you see from Lewis in his first game? Well, look, I I don't have as much of the concern on the outside because I – you know, look, I, I think that they mitigate the height thing a lot by playing some of these zone situations. They're not trying to press up on them and, and play man. And if they're throwing down the field, then likely they're 
he's dealing with the safety over the top of him. So you're dealing with Byron Jones, he, him of, you know, 46-inch vertical, which I know Larry Fitzgerald at 47 years old or however he is, <laughs> uh, he's still he's still magic. It's, it's unbelievable how good he's playing at his age. But I know that he can't out-jump Byron Jones. Like, you know, so I, I – I, and I think that there's definitely – I'm not saying that that won't happen. I'm just saying that it's it's not like – I see people talk about that, but in this in this kind of defense where they're playing more off and it's, and it's reaction, it's clicking close, it's looking at the quarterback, I want a guy who can react and, and, and be athletic, and that's more Jordan Lewis. And I think that he can beat uh, Fitzgerald to the ball sometimes. I think he can – um, he can do some things, and, and the thing about his height is that it, it it also gets mitigated by the fact that he has long arms. And so I think you know he, I think that he can function out there. I think that you know a lot of it has to do with experience. And I mm-hmm. think as as bad he wasn't bad, but as much as he struggled at times in the game, it seemed like to me there was definitely a progression. Like it it wasn't like he was taking two steps forward and two steps back it was like he didn't feel comfortable at first he it was it was a little it's a little fast and scary at first and then he as he started to get his feet wet it felt like he was in more in control of what was going on and to the point that you know when he got that interception he basically ran that route for Thomas and and when Thomas went down he didn't try to stick with Thomas he knew that if he kept going down along those lines that the he it would lead him to the ball and it did and um and 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 so when the ball got you know overthrown because Thomas was down he was there ready to make the play so I think that you know we'll talk about Woods in a little bit but you have to be encouraged with even though they had to throw in these guys and they struggled with no doubt they um they you know especially Lewis he got better as the game went on and to the point where you know you're seeing progression and that's what you want you know yeah so let's go ahead and jump right into Xavier Woods because I found his usage very very interesting so uh, our friends at Pro Football Focus desperate desperate well, is the word i would feel <laughs> but at the same time the reason they liked Xavier Woods, and especially I mean, the reason we liked Xavier Woods so much, is because he has that versatility. So if you get into a situation like that, what happened on Sunday, you can play him at a bunch of different spots, and you can feel pretty confident that he's going to know what to do. So Pro Football Focus had him charted as this. He played 30 snaps out of the slot, two snaps as the left cornerback, one snap as a free safety, and one snap as a uh, left outside linebacker, almost lining up like a stand-up 3-4 linebacker. So he was all over the field. Uh, I mean, I didn't get to see too much of him. I, I mean, I saw little bits and pieces of him. But uh, just from you know my live watching of the game, this is going to be a guy that's going to fit very nicely into Rob Marinelli's defense because he has so much flexibility. I, lo- I love him as a, a potential third safety for this team. That you know they can have him in in their big nickel situations, or if they want to be in dime, he's a great player that they can have play in the box or deep as a free safety. Long term, I really like what Woods can bring to this defense. What did you see after watching the All Twenty Two? Well, I mean, I, I I was shocked because uh, yeah, I mean, I I knew that he could play some nickel. I mean, I knew that. I mean, I but I assumed that putting him in nickel. In, in an NFL game right away after him not even really practicing for a while, uh, I felt like that might have been uh, 
a disaster, but uh, he looked so comfortable mm-hmm. there. Like it was crazy. Like it, I, I would say he's that so intelligent. Unlike, he picks things up so quickly. Well, unlike yeah, and unlike Jordan Lewis, who actually played that position in college, like when he came in the game, there wasn't those those plays where he did where he looked you know like it was too big or whatever. He looked ready to go. Like he he looked like he was natural. It was weird. Like. There, you know, there were people going passing. They were trying to run, uh, you know, rub plays. Like they were trying to run routes underneath. He was passing people in and out of his zone from the slots, like with you know, with without any issues, like kept keeping his eyes on the quarterback. Like he just looked comfortable back because he's good. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, it's it's so I guess yeah, having guys like that, it's 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 I mean, it's really great because they're only going to get better, and and I think that I think that. Xavier Woods, to me, if he's stepping in and playing comfortably, that means he's going to be making mm-hmm. plays pretty soon. Because I, th- because if he's already at that, like stepping in, like oh, okay, this is comfy, like I'm okay with the way the speed is, then and then that means that you know pretty soon he's going to be you know speeding up, and then he'll be lapping dudes you know mentally, and and that's when you know you start playing really fast. And comfortable, and, and 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 that's when you make plays, man. And 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 so, yeah. It, as 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 great as it was to see Jordan Lewis's progression, uh, it was shocking just to kind of see. And not that he did anything exceptional, but just you know, just watching him in the all twenty two, he just he looked. He didn't kill them. He did not kill them completely. He looked completely in place, and he wasn't a weak link. They tried to go at him a lot, but he, I mean, he he wasn't. You know, he wasn't the guy messing up. And and uh, yeah, that's just. Super encouraging for for the two rookies to come in as defensive backs and play that way. Yeah. So one kind of final note on just the secondary in general. I even though they didn't play very well, I'm encouraged with their safety unit. I, I know Byron's banged up, and I know a lot of people want to pick on him, but he's going to be fine. I kind of love the combination of Heath, Frazier, and Woods because they all do something different, and you can kind of mix and match them depending on the game plan and the opponent in the week. Uh, all pretty young players. I think Heath is the oldest one at like age 26 or something like that. I- I'm just encouraged as what they might look like by the end of the season. I know it wasn't great on yeah. in week two, but by the end of the season, I'm just excited to see what that unit could be all together. Any final thoughts as we wrap up the show? Yeah, I, I would say just along those lines, the only other thing I would add there is that I, I kind of feel like after watching this last game and checking out the usage on, on PFF and everything, that I really feel like they they would benefit just by, I think, cycling down Heath in the defense a little bit. It's not that Heath hasn't been playing well, though he had some up and down plays. I just feel like he really struggled at the end of the game because he was exhausted, uh, and I and I realized that I that uh, you know he was playing every play, a special teams like defense. I think, I think and, he played the so, most snaps of any defensive player so far through two weeks. That that doesn't not surprise in, me, and I think NFL, that that's not in the entire NFL. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that doesn't surprise me honestly because he plays safety, which means that he plays all the snaps defensively, and he plays almost every special team, if not every special team. And so, 
he's playing an insane amount of snaps, almost as many as any eligible player could. So I just think that, it, you know, for the sake of the his longevity in the season and just in game, they need to find a way to, to rotate Frazier in and get more comfortable with get Frazier getting more snaps. And, and then as these corners get a little bit more healthy or as they feel more comfortable with some of these corners, getting Xavier Woods back in there to rotate in as a safety as well. Because I just feel like the, the plan... I, from what I always thought was to rotate these guys, and I feel like just because of necessity, they've had to force their hands, but I, I, they need to get back to that because I don't want to wear down uh, one of the very best special teams player in the NFL uh, and a guy who uh, is playing pretty good defense when he's not completely tired. That's it for today's show. This edition of the Locked On Cowboys podcast was brought to you by mybookie.ag. Get into all the action with mybookie.ag where they will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Just make sure you use that promo code Locked On. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit us up with a five-star review. Leave a review and leave your Twitter handle and you will be eligible to win a free Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the Cowboys' upcoming game against the Arizona Cardinals. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.